Welcome to Warriors Off Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by Wes Goldberg, host of the popular Locked On Warriors podcast. During our conversation, we broke down who deserves a spot on Golden State's roster next season, who doesn't, and who has more to prove. Wes, welcome back on the podcast. It's been a few weeks um, since we've had you on, but a lot has happened in Warriors world. And um, I wanted to have you on because obviously you're on the beat. Obviously, you're super locked in. Um, you have great analysis over at Mercury News. Listen to me shouting out my competitor right now um, and locked on podcast. Uh, you're, you're a great Warriors podcast. Um, and we are the, the podcast listeners know we're good friends and we talk away from the beat a lot. And we, we always talk about, you know, who's going to stick around next season. What's the roster going to look like in 2021, 22. And uh, I think this is the ultimate question, right? Because look, if they make the playing tournament, great. If they, if they make some noise in the first round, great. But ultimately it's about, can you, build a roster that is a legitimate threat to compete for a title next season. Because the sad undertone to me of this season has been, yes, yeah, Steph's amazing. Steph's playing MVP caliber, MVP caliber level, but he's doing for a 500 team and he's 33 mm-hmm. years old. And you need to put around, you need to put a supporting cast that's capable of contention around him immediately ASAP. Yeah, and if this little run that he's on, I mean, last night in New Orleans, his sixth 40th 40-point game in the last 15 games, uh, his ninth 40-point game of the season, what this dude is doing this year is just, it underscores what you just said. This guy is ready to win another championship right now. And doing anything other than putting the best roster around him to win, not in 2024 or 2025, but right now, Anything other than doing that is malpractice. I honestly think uh, from this front office and this, and it, and, and so you're right, as you kind of rebuild and Clay Thompson has been injured all year and he didn't really have a realistic shot at winning the championship this season. Okay. Well, you saw what Steph can do. They always, everybody in the Warriors will tell you that this was a, that they've always had the utmost confidence in Steph and, and Steve Kerr every year says Steph has never been better, but this has had to be a revelation for them given how well he's played. And, um, now it's time to say, all right, after a couple of years of rebuilding, Steph is all the way back after the broken hand and everything like that. What can we do this offseason to go win another championship? That's the main question facing this team. It's the only question that matters yeah. really right now. And I think going along with that, there's some d- difficult decisions that have to be made, right? Because they've been trying to, as, as they say, thread the needle all season, especially before James Wiseman got injured, where they're trying to develop talent and also win now. I think what we're seeing is that doesn't work in the NBA. Like you have yeah. to go all in. You know, it's like it's like in life when you have when you have a plan B for your career, odds are you're not going to be successful in plan A. Like you just need to go all in on plan A. Um to- I know this is a life advice podcast. <laughs> this is good. I like that. It's true. I never had a freaking plan B. Like people ask me, what what do you want to do other than be a sports player? I'm like, I literally never had a thought about anything else. I don't know. I literally I'm not sure. I'm not sure I agree with you. So if you didn't become a sports writer, you would just be on the streets right now is your, is basically what you're saying. That was never an option. That was, I would okay. not being a sports writer was not an option. Not being <laughs> successful in this industry was not an option for me. Um, to your and- point, to your point, uh, you mentioned threading the needle and 
The Warriors all this season have basically talked about the challenge of threading the needle. And here's my idea. Just don't thread the needle. Why? Like, if it's that hard, why thread the needle? You have a player capable of winning a championship right now. The only point in basketball is to win the championship, more so in the NBA than I think in any other sport, right? Nobody cares about division championships. Nobody cares about conference titles. Nobody cares about anything. It's all about winning a championship. The NBA, that is what it's all about. And that's what I think makes the NBA so cool. And when you have a player like Steph, who is generational in the way that he is, and the fact that you can't assume that you'll ever have a player in the same sphere as Steph Curry for the rest of the history of this franchise, right? Why are you bothered? Why bother thread the needle? If it's so hard, just stop doing it and just put the best team possible around Steph now. Just load the team up with veterans who are ready to play and just go for it. That's what I think that these Warriors should do. Winning championships are all, is all that matters, but it's especially all that matters when when uh, you've already tasted it. Right. You know, like this yeah. fan base is spoiled. Like they're mm-hmm. not going to get excited about, you know, maybe a second round series, especially when you're talking about the heart of the maybe the greatest offensive player in NBA history's prime. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is put up or shut up time for this franchise. And look, I think their goal needs to be at least win one more title with this core. And then after that, if you have to completely rebuild and you're bad for a while, like, okay, you know, like that's okay. You know, like I know they, they've always, they always talk about wanting to follow the spur, the Spurs blueprint and be relevant for a long time. Given the timelines of their guys right now that I don't think that's really possible. And so you, I think they need to go all in and winning one or maybe two more titles with this core. And then, yeah, if you if you have to get if you have to trade James Wiseman to do it, if you have to part with the top three protected pick from Minnesota to do it, so be it. Yes, you'll have no assets when they're old, but you know what? At least you Who won. Cares? At least you got Steph the title he freaking deserves. Would it? Would you rather have that if you're a Warriors fan? Have Steph get one or maybe even two more titles, and then be bad for a few more years, or would you? When, when all these guys age out of their primes, or would you rather just be a second round and out team for a few more years and then still be bad when all these guys age out of their primes? It does, like That's to me the thing here. It's so hard. As much as you want to bet on James Wiseman, as much upside as he may have, as much as you want to think that this Minnesota pick is going to land you your next superstar, it is not a guarantee. The draft is such a crapshoot. You have no idea if you're going to get your next face of the franchise out of any of these picks. You have no idea. But what you do know is that Steph Curry's that guy right now, and you're ready to go. And by the way, the way that Draymond Green has been playing defense this year and and, and passing everything, that dude's still a high-level basketball player. He's ready to go win a championship right now, too. And and his prime might be smaller than than Curry. That's a good point. So you got to think about that. Obviously, you got Clay coming back from the Achilles, having missed two years. He deserves to be treated to Mm -hmm. a contending title, a contending-type team. Um, So what I wanted to do today on the pod – is I want we're gonna go through alphabetically every single player on the roster, and we're gonna put them into three categories. In as in definitely deserves a spot on the 2021-22 roster. Out does not deserve a spot and shouldn't be in the Warriors' plans for next season. Or more to prove, meaning that they they need to show something over this final stretch of the regular season and into potentially the playoffs to prove that they uh, deserve a spot on next season's roster. And one caveat here is we can get super into contract situations, but I think more than anything, I want to, I want to, I want to stick 
to the point of do do they serve a title contending caliber team? Because all the other stuff they can work out, the Warriors can work out. But like, if someone like Eric Pascal is under contract next season, but he you do, you don't believe that he does is could be a, a helpful member of a championship caliber team, then he should be in the out category. Gotcha. Okay. So name number, and let me preface this also by saying the. The, the names we're not going to be mentioning are, of course, Draymond Green, Stephen Curry, and Clay Thompson because they're the core we're building around. They're not leaving. They're on the roster next season. Yeah. That is decided. So these are all the more ancillary pieces. Uh, Kent Bazemore. Um, am I starting? Yes. Uh, in. I think he's in. He's a free agent this year. Um, one of several guards for the Warriors, shooting guards specifically, that'll be free agents for the Warriors. But uh, – what he's able to do offensively, Steve Kerr has talked about this several times. He He's such a willing ball mover. He just understands the offense. He's got like a nice little two-man game with Steph Curry. Like he's not willing – like he's willing to pass the ball, a little handoff, set a screen for Steph and vice versa. Like they have good chemistry. And then defensively, he sets a tone. Yeah, he fouls away from the ball too much. Yeah, there's stuff that you don't like there. He reaches way too often. But over as if he's not starting for you, if he's coming off the bench for you, yeah, that's a good piece – to have and if you could bring him back on a minimum or something like that yeah i think he's in I, I, those are the kinds of guys these are the kinds of veterans that when you're looking to uh win a championship no he doesn't have the upside of a guy in a, a lottery pick right now but he's more ready to contribute right now and we've seen over the course of this season Kent more have a 20 point game here or set the tone defensively in a, in a swing game there uh so i think he's done more than enough to deserve at least a spot on this 15-man roster next year when you're talking about a title contending supporting cast, you need guys who a can complement your best player, AKA Steph Curry. You need guys who know how to play at a high level in high stakes situations who, who you can throw out in meaningful minutes in the playoffs and feel comfortable with. Um, Kent Bazemore is that guy. Kent Bazemore to me is a phenomenal value for what you're getting him on. He is not going to be an all-star in his career, but he uh, you know, knows how to play. He is leading this team among rotation players in defensive rating. He is second in three-point shooting. He's really, you know, exactly what you want from a 3-and-D wing. Um, there's a reason why he was starting over Kelly Oubre before Oubre got injured. Um, his yeah. plus-minus is great. Um, they tend to be better when he's on the floor. He And most importantly, he knows how to play with Steph, who he is close personal friends with. So, uh yes if you can bring him back for close to the minimum you got to bring him back no question in my mind he's just a great value and i think he ended up being a phenomenal pickup uh in the offseason for them uh damian lee i i want to i'm leaning towards in and it's tough again he's a free agent i know we don't want to talk about all that kind of stuff but among the guards that are free agents you've got kent baysmore Damian Lee, Michael Mulder, and Kelly Oubre. And chances of all of them coming back is basically 0%. But I think you can bring back two of those four. And depending on what happens with Oubre, you're going to have to fill out this bench, right? You're going to need 15 guys on this team. And Damian Lee is a gamer. Remember, he, he, he's hit the, he hit that game-winning shot in Chicago earlier in the year. He's a good three-point shooter. He's not a great defender, but he's not terrible on defense. Uh, he understands the offense and stuff. There's institutional knowledge that he has that kind of, you don't have to teach him the ropes. And if you're trying to just hit the ground running next year, you could do worse than Damian Lee being your 14th or 15th guy, right? Like he's probably shouldn't be in your rotation night to night, 
but he's a guy who can make a spot start for you. He's a guy who can make some play some spot 15 minutes for you and not be a glaring weakness. And, and in fact, maybe even contribute in a, in a meaningful way. Uh, so I would say with Damian Lee, mostly in, but it really depends on how the offseason shakes out. Damian Lee, a lot of people don't realize this. His contract isn't guaranteed next season. Um, but it's only a $1.9 million contract. That's around the minimum for someone with his uh, experience level. So um, to me, he's more than worth $1.9 million. He's, he's not, uh, you know, he's not a guy I would love being my seventh or eighth man, which I think is how a lot of Warriors view him. Warriors fans view him. They think of him as, Oh, that guy who's like our eighth man, but he's not an eighth man on a title contending team. But like you said, if he can be toward the fringe of that rotation, like maybe even just like 10th or 11th, I am comfortable with him. He's, yeah. he's not great at anything, but he's solid at a lot of things. He's, he's a decent defender. He's a, an above average shooter. Um, he knows how to play with Steph. It doesn't hurt that he's Steph's brother-in-law. He fits the ethos of the team. Everyone mm-hmm. seems to really like him. Steve Kerr said that he most relates to Damian in terms of his path to the NBA and who they are as people. And so, yeah, that stuff matters when you're talking about championship teams. Um, So I would definitely keep him on, but I would not want him to be my seventh or eighth. Um, One more point. One more point on Damien too. This, this in particular thing is a skill that we don't talk about a lot is that, you know, you hear players say, Oh, we got to stay ready. You got to stay ready. And that's a cliche, but it's also a thing that exists. Right. And Damien Lee is very good. Like his minutes fluctuate so much his role in that in the in that on the team flux, fluctuates so much and every time he gets on the floor he does something right and, and so I think that's a, that's that's the kind of player that you want that maybe isn't in your night to night rotation but hey we need you tonight come in and you know that he's going to be ready for that moment right you know he's going to have done the the, the scouting reports work and and he's going to be playing hard in practice and all that stuff like he's going to be ready for you know whatever game that is in the dog days of the season in January February whatever it is like he'll be ready for that moment the next one, I think this is an easy one, Kavon Looney. Um, he has a player option. Uh, I think he's going to pick it up, and the Warriors sure. should be ecstatic about it. He's and he's arguably had the best season of his career. Um, no doubt. Has completely uh, moved past what was a horrendous injury-plagued season last season. Looks healthy, looks spry. To me, the biggest thing is he's playing significant minutes and doesn't look to be wearing down. He's playing – he's played into the 30s uh, a few times in recent weeks, um, which this is a guy who – I never thought could play more than 25. Um, so that's super encouraging. He's shouldered a big load ever since Wiseman went out. And honestly, they're better with him on the floor than with Wiseman because he's in the right spot on the floor. Defense will be at the right times. He understands when to set screens, when to cut, uh, when to do the dribble, dribble handoffs. And, um, you know, he's kind of just like a no frills role player in the best sense of the, of the term. And so, um, yeah, for sure. He, if he's your backup center next season, you should be feeling good about yourself. Not only is Kevon Looney in, Connor, Kevon Looney should be in the starting lineup next season. And I don't know that that's going to happen. We'll see what happens with James Wiseman. But you mentioned all the things that he does. His two-man game with Steph Curry, it's not Draymond and Steph level, but it's, it's only maybe a couple notches below that. I mean, he sets screens. His timing with Steph is so good. And you could see Steph coming down the floor and Kevon Looney just reading his eyes. And and they don't, it, it's nonverbal at this point. They just, they have an understanding with each other. And how many times have we been, seen Steph in like semi-transition, just pick up a Kevon Looney high screen, come off, sidestep, boom, shoot a three. I mean, it, it's, it's 
you know, a couple times a game where that happens. And that is so valuable. And it's not something that James Wiseman can't do eventually, but it's not something that James Wiseman is doing right now. Kevon Looney is doing that right now to go back to our earlier point that we opened the show with. Uh, he should not only be a part of the Warriors next year, they should probably end up resigning him at some point. I understand that there's, there's some health concerns. Well, that's why you could probably get him on the cheap. You probably still need to add some centers and, and some more depth on this team. But if Kevon Looney is your starting center, he's doing all that stuff for you. And when you have Clay back and you have Steph there and you have Draymond who needs the ball in his hands and you're going to have Andrew Wiggins who needs to get his touches, it is so valuable to have a guy as your fifth starter like Kevon Looney who just doesn't need to touch the ball, doesn't even need to score a point, and is so okay with that and can still be a huge plus for your team. He's, he's the perfect glue guy for this roster. He unlocks everything they want to do on offense. He's switchable and versatile enough on defense that he unlocks all the things that they want to do defensively. It's, again, I go back to this thing. If it's so hard to thread the needle, just stop threading the needle. Start Kevon Looney. That starting lineup with Kevon Looney is one of the best starting lineups in the league. Boom. Problem solved. If, it's if, only going to be better when Clay comes back. Next season, your top two centers next season are Wiseman and Kevon. I agree. You need to start Kevon. And also – you set a tone right away and you say, we're not, we're, we learned from last season. We're not doing what we did last season. And uh, James missed the entire off season rehabbing. He's probably going to be on a severe minutes restriction. He might not even be available to play at the start of the season. There's no point in trying to go all in on his development, given that, given those circumstances. So take the pressure off of him, start Kavan and move forward. Yeah. Kavan's on an expiring contract after next year. James Wiseman, there's, there's, look, this meniscal thing might have been the best thing to happen to the Warriors because now you have a, a built an excuse. Because if it not for this knee injury with Wiseman, you were already committed to him being your starting center. You could not move back. But now with this injury, you can, you have the excuse, hey, we're going to start the season slow. We're going to bring him off the bench. We're not going to put so much on him coming off this injury. Good. Let him develop 12 minutes off the bench every night. That's okay. Like I said, Bam Adebayo didn't start for three straight years. He was coming off the bench for Hassan Whiteside. And Whiteside's not nearly the player that Kevon Looney is. Uh, and then Bam Adebayo, after a few years, blossomed into one of the best centers in the NBA. There's no shame in the Warriors taking that approach, right? They're like the Heat were trying to be a playoff team. A, the Heat went into the finals last year. Like that, that, These are teams with finals aspirations. Let Wiseman develop slowly off the bench. He doesn't have to burst onto the scene the way LaMelo or Anthony Edwards did. That, that's, that's not your problem if you're Golden State. Just let Wiseman come along slowly, and you've got a great starting center in Kevon Looney already. The next one is Nico Mannion, and I am prone to putting Nico in the more to prove category, and that is because Nico, to me, he's shown flashes. He's, he's a good facilitator. Um, you know, he for a late second-round pick, I think you have to be happy with what you've gotten from him this season. Obviously, he has not carved out a regular rotation spot. His shooting's still shaky. His defense is, is shaky at times. He's not, uh, you know, gifted in, in all the ways you want a point guard to be gifted. But to me, he's shown enough to at least give him another year on the two-way. And given, and we don't know what the two-way contract is going to look like next season. If it looks similar to it, to what it did this season, where he can still play as many games as possible, then yeah, put him on the two-way again, um, and just let him continue to learn in a low-pressure environment. And if you have situations where he needs to be your backup point guard for Steph, then I think he can be adequate. Um, I'm I'm gonna slot Nico Manning in the out category. Uh, you, I'm sorry, you're, you're a late second round pick. You just, you don't really get that many opportunities. And I think you wrote about this earlier in the year. He was sort of talking with his dad and how as a second round pick, you just don't get that much of a chance. Like whatever chance you do get, 
you have to make the most of it. And Nico Mannion, look, he seems like a nice guy. I'm sure there's talent there. He was a big recruit out of high school. But now we have two years of sample size between Arizona and now where the dude just can't shoot. He just can't shoot. And and doesn't really do anything else at a high enough level right now to warrant a roster spot or even really a two-way spot. I just, I don't know what the upside with Nico Mannion is. And so, again, seems like a nice guy. Maybe it works out somewhere else. But for now, I think the Warriors would be better off using the two-way or maybe a more versatile type of position. Because the other thing with Mannion is he can only play one spot. And I think with these two-way contracts, you want to be able to have that player be a little bit more versatile so that like break, in ca- break glass in case of emergency type situations, you can have a guy like Juan Descano Anderson who could play two or three different positions, right? And then you're like, all right, well, we're down to nine guys because of injuries and whatever. Let's bring this guy and he can play small forward one night for us or maybe n- n- tomorrow night he could play power forward or whatever. Uh, so I'm, I, I think for now I'm out on Mannion. You know who I'd rather have than Nico, over Nico Mannion? Don't say Jeremy Lin. Gary Payton the second. Oh, okay. I, I think I'm okay Gary, with that. I'm okay with that. Gary Payton the second was more impressive in his limited minutes than I think Nico has been all season. Agreed. Um, and because uh, he could do something, he could do something in an NBA level identity. right now. Yes, he's an NBA defender. NBA, he's an elite defender in this league, yeah. and he's a not much worse shooter than Nico. So, um, I would, I, I would even give the two way to him, even though he's older. I, I don't believe the two way needs to he be young guys. He can't get the two-way because he has more than four years of NBA service, oh. even though that's kind of BS yeah. on Gary Payton's part because his NBA like, service was yeah, like a spot like, start for the Lakers here exactly, and there. Exactly, that's kind of BS. But it, 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 he got kind of screwed by that rule. Yeah. Even, so unless they change that, to your point, unless they change that. 15, ro- 15 man roster spot to him potentially. We'll see. Um, the next one is Michael Mulder. I'm curious for your thoughts on this one. This is a tough one for me. I know you have an affinity to Mulder. You like Canadians in general, like. Your whole nice life, your world. disposition. Yeah. Um, I really like Michael Mulder. I I still think that he's and and I think he's a fringe NBA player. And if it's the right situation, will work out. But he's a little too streaky as a three point shooter. It's not as efficient as as people think. Like he's a thirty nine percent three point shooter on three attempts per game. It needs to be about forty percent for him to make a spot. Like his best case scenario, I think, is like Wayne Ellington, right? And he's just not that lights out of a shooter right now. He doesn't do enough defensively. He's got length and stuff that you like, but he gets beat back door way too often. You know, the game is still moving a little bit too fast for him at times. And so, and and, and given that they're going to have Justinian Jessup coming over next year, most likely, and that you, we've already talked about guys like Baysmore and Damian Lee being in, I think Michael Mulder is out. Okay. Yeah, I was I was going to put him in the more to prove category, but I think you make some good points. The the reality is when you're a guy who's struggling to get regular rotation minutes, um there you can't you can't expect anything, you know, in the future. And he's his contract is not guaranteed next season and um the thing is I think they want to give Justinian Jessup a shot next season mm-hmm. and Jessup is longer uh he's six seven big wingspan i think can even defend more positions um i think if it's between Mulder and jessup i think you gotta you gotta give the spot to jessup just to just to take a flyer on him and just to see what you got there and they're very similar players i don't think you can play both of them and Mulder, i think is an nba player but i'm just not sure this is going to be his long-term nba home i'd love to see him in a situation where he can get more consistent minutes um, you know, when he did start briefly for a few games, I actually thought he looked pretty good. Uh, I know those were, he got some points in garbage time, but you know, 
I think he's a great athlete. I think he's a solid shooter. I want to see him make it, but I'm just not sure it's with the Warriors. No, send him to a team like that needs the spacing. Like New Orleans would be a great spot for Michael Mulder. I mean, he's he'll find another job somewhere. I mean, the 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 resume with the Sioux Falls team, which is a great developmental squad, and then obviously a couple of years with the Warriors. That's a nice little resume. He'll he'll at least get a flyer somewhere else. We'll have more of my conversation with Wes Goldberg right after the break. Okay, next up, Kelly Oubre Jr. I think for me, this is becoming easy. If you'd asked me a couple weeks ago, it would have been harder. But to me, he's in the out category. So he's out as far as the Warriors' long-term plans. I will say he's in as far as if they could have him on the roster at the start of next season, if it's up to them and he's going to be an unrestricted free agent, so it's not. But if they can bring him back, they should bring him back. I only say this because if they can't bring him back, then you're losing what could be ultimately like a $15 million salary. If you can re-sign him at $15 million and look, maybe you say, Hey, let's do the, let's, we'll give you $20 million. Like we're going to go way above what you're getting on the open market. We're going to get you paid. And then we're going to trade you by the, by, by the deadline to just maintain that spot. That's where I would be going. But as far as Kelly Oubre as a player, he's out. But as far as Kelly Oubre as a contract, because if he walk, because you have his bird rights, so you can re-sign him if you're the Warriors. If he walks away, you don't get to go re-sign another player at fifteen or twenty million dollars. It doesn't work that way because you're over the cap, you're operating over the salary cap. So he's really the only way for the Warriors to maintain a fifteen to twenty million dollar cap slot, and then that's a good player. Like you could trade that midseason for somebody who fits better with what they want to do. Because for this, I think the same reasons you're thinking, he's just not quite the right fit for this roster. Yeah, I, I understand your argument, but they still need to be somewhat conscious of, of finances and the luxury tax and all those things. And I just don't think he gives you enough uh, to, to even with, with that unique situation uh, warrant a, a 15 to $20 million contract. Um, he is, he's, not helping them win you look they, they tend to do worse when he's on the floor he's very streaky offensively I don't think he's nearly as good defensively as people want to say he is um he's in the wrong spot on the floor a lot he doesn't he still hasn't figured out how to play with Steph he uh I'm not gonna say he's a locker room issue because he seems to get complimented but I'm not sure he's the the greatest cultural fit for this team um but I yeah to me he's just he's not the answer and so it's a really interesting situation I think the Warriors probably will try to resign him but I don't expect him to be on the roster next season that's why I feel compelled to keep him in in the out category he'll probably end up leaving as a free agent right there's just so many teams out there with cap space and not really much like a lot of teams that were hoarding cap space for Giannis and Giannis signed the extension now they're just flush with cap space and you look at the free agents that are out there okay Kyle Lowry what are you going right, to, once he's off the board, what do you do? You know, where does that money go? And you're looking at guys like Lonzo Ball and Kelly Oubre. Those are like, those guys are like high up on the list of free agent power rankings on your like big board of free agents. He's going to get, if he wants a starting job, which he does. And if, if he wants his money, which he probably does, then there's going to be options out there. And, and like I said, he's an unrestricted free agent. The Warriors can throw more money at him. But if they can't guarantee him a, a starting job, which they won't be able to, then you'd be like, cool, I'm going to take $3 million left and go, uh, less and go to New York where I can at least start or whatever. Like that, it'll be his prerogative. Um, 
I'm so I'm putting him in that category just for the record. Uh, Eric Pascal is next on our list, and this is this is a tough one. Um, he is under contract at a good rate next season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's he's got they they locked him. They were smart to lock him into a three year minimum contract right after they drafted him midway through the second round a couple years ago. Um, so he's under contract next season for 1.7 mil. Um, look, his body of work and everything suggests that that's a good rate for him. But my issue with Eric Pascal is he has not proven that he can be helpful to what this team wants to be. You know, he, he kind of filled a little niche for them last season when they were completely lottery bound and they just needed bodies to score. Um, and they, they could throw away their movement heavy principles and just let him beat guys one-on-one. But now in, in terms of what they're trying to be around Steph, he just doesn't have a role. Um, he's, he's, he's only been helpful as like a small ball five, um, which there just aren't a lot of lineup combinations where it makes sense to play him there. And he has proven that he's not a small forward in this league. And even at power forward, he has not been effective. His plus minus is pretty bad. Um, you know, he defensively is a major question mark, question mark especially with the, his help side defense. He's not a good rebounder for his position. Um, really, all he's proven he can do is beat guys in ISO. Mm-hmm. And he isn't necessarily going to have a lot of opportunities to do that on this team next season. Do you think if you gave Eric Pascal truth serum that he thinks that he could be Zion Williamson if just given the opportunity? I mean, he should think that <laughs> every, yeah. every player in the league should to think yeah. that they can be that, but no, no, uh, to your point, to your point though, uh, you're absolutely right on everything you say, but I'm, and I'm still going to go with more to prove with him because there's something there still, right? Like if that three-point shot comes around and if in his third year in the NBA, he can kind of catch up defensively, there's stuff there that I like. Like that's still a novel skill set for him to be able to play small ball five and, and spread the floor out and do some stuff. Look, I don't think he's going to be the sixth man. Like some people pegged him to be, you know, during his rookie year or something like that. But he could be a change of pace backup five for you. And it worked earlier in the year. And, and I know that his body worn down as the season went on, but if you're not asking him to do that every single night and anchor a second unit for the first two months of the season, like he did, well, maybe his body won't wear down over the whole course of the whole season. If you're just using them in spot minutes here and there. So no, he's not going to be your sixth or seventh man. He's probably not going to be in your night to night rotation, but if he could be maybe your fourth center and let's stop messing around with him as a power forward, just call him your fourth center. Just make him most, most spades 2.0. Just make him your fourth center. He can come in when you need a little bit of a boost. What? The most, most spades who can't shoot. shoot. Yeah, no, but what, what, I, what I mean by that is a guy who can come in and he can kind of just give you a different look. And it's just a thing that Steve Kerr can go to when he feels like it might be what the game needs. I'm, I'm okay with that as Pascal's role. And if that's, your, if that's a role for a guy who's a second-round pick, that's all right. Yeah, maybe it's not meeting the expectations that people had when he made the all-rookie team, but that doesn't matter anymore. And so, and again, you're right. He doesn't fit what this team needs, but there's still enough stuff there that look, if he's under contract for next year anyway, I still think you, you give him one more chance, a little bit more to prove, because I think there's enough there to work with, and it could just be something interesting to go to, uh, you know, at certain points in the season. Yeah, and and you know, if 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 he if he starts to get frustrated with the situation, you know, I think he's tradable. I think I think there are teams that play more his style that would would like to have that bargain contract. Um, but yeah, I think I think because he's under contract next season, 
you probably bring him back, but I hope he can come back from that hip injury and get some playing time and just show something yeah. before the season ends. Uh, so- and can I just say before we move on from Pascal, I don't know if you've been getting these mailbag questions, but no, the Warriors can't trade the Minnesota pick and Eric Pascal to move all the way up to number one and draft Cade Cunningham. Pascal does not have that kind of trade value. Let's just yeah. dip that in the bucket. Right like, stop should, asking me that. If you're going to trade Pascal, you should have traded him at the end of last season. And here's the thing, like talking to people in the organization, even when he was first team all rookie last season, no one was like, he's the future of our franchise. Everyone no. was like, yeah, you know, he's a helpful rotation guy, you know? Like, that's a, yeah, that's was, okay. That's Second all. Round pick and look, 41st pick in the draft, you know, you got to put it in context. Um, next one is Jordan Poole. Um, in. Yeah, I know you're super high on Jordan. I've always been high on Jordan Poole. You, I'm so you glad saw things in Jordan that the Warriors didn't see in Jordan. When they were, I remember talking to Steve Kerr and being like, "Could do you see him uh, playing with the ball in his hands a lot? And Steve kind of looked at me, and this was like it, in training camp last year, and he was like, nah, he's a shooting guard. And, I, and, and yeah, so I've been way in front on this Jordan Poole stuff. Um, this guy is so in. I don't know that he's so in that he's your sixth man next year, but he's a scorer off the bench who can carry the, the offense when Steph Curry is on the bench for, for stretches. I, I to to kind of keep going back to old school Warriors comps, he's probably Leandro Barbosa, which is really good. That was a helpful player for the Warriors before Kevin Durant got there. It was a position that they tried to fill with Nick Young and Ian Clark and a bunch of other names after Leandro Barbosa left. He's your new Leandro Barbosa. If he's your eighth guy, you're in a really good spot. I I love Jordan Poole for this team. I think he's a good player and he's a guy who can close games for you in certain matchups. So Here's all the way in. Jordan Poole, like. You, I think people get caught up in some of his scoring outbursts, but the thing is when he's not scoring like that, he's not helping. Like he he's only shooting 41.6% from the field, 34.5% from three. I don't think, I think if you ask normal Warriors fans about that, they, they wouldn't have assumed that they would think he, the numbers are far better than that because when he's talked about now it's positively because he's scoring 20 off the bench, but I still don't think he's that helpful of a player in this league right now. That being said, that being said, he I do think that they need to keep at least a couple young guys on the roster to try to groom and be uh, and he's under contract. He's an affordable salary. Um, I think he's better than his contract suggests. Um, so, yeah, definitely keep him on the roster. I definitely would not feel comfortable him being my sixth man next season. Um, you're right. When he's sure I want him top eight, honestly, Uh he he's so streaky right now, but look, he's, he's already gotten so much better over the course of this season. We hear all the time about how hard, how hard of a worker he is. Um, definitely has proven to me that he has a future in this league. So yeah, for sure. He deserves a spot on the roster next season. You're he, you're right. When he's not scoring, he doesn't do enough the way that like Sean Livingston and Andre Iguodala did defensively or facilitating wise uh, to warrant like, 25 minutes a night but when he is on he's tremendously helpful and that's the guy that you want on your team next one and this one's easy alan smile out 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 he's, his career is done um he his warriors tenure i should say is done he's non-guaranteed after this season <clears throat> there's just no point in uh in what and i hate to say it waste a ro- wasting a ro- roster spot on someone who struggled to be impactful in the g league this season in the limited minutes he's gotten with Golden State, he's looked completely out of his depth. They kind of threw him a flyer and gave him an opportunity and put him in that starting lineup a few weeks ago. And he had, I think, five 
he had 5,008 minutes and just looked like, Mm -hmm. like we would look if we were out there, like just completely no idea what to do. He just doesn't know how to play basketball. And that's, it's just, he came from the third Serbian third division. He, he has not figured out how to be a part of an offense. Every time he gets the ball, he wants to run toward the the hoop, talk to, to his uh, Chris, Chris Weems, his G league coach. And he said, I had to pull him aside in the G league bubble over and over and be like, dude, you can't just run to the rim every time you get the ball. You just can't do that. Like that's just not, people are going to hate playing with you if you do that all the time, you know? And Mm -hmm. so um, he needs to probably be a full-time G league player or go back overseas. Maybe he'll, he'll make it back to the NBA. Maybe not, but he's not an NBA player right now. That's just, there's, there's worse outcomes for smiley Gates than just being a cult hero in Santa Cruz, right? Cause you go to a Santa Cruz warriors games, people love watching him play. And look, you can't build your offense around him. He probably still has to come off the bench in, in Santa Cruz if you want to pro- properly develop other guys on that team. But there's worse to, than just being a cult hero in Santa Cruz where he loves, where you can just go to Chili's and eat queso every single night, and that'll be okay. Um, one last point on Alan Smiley Geach. Warriors fans that were saying that he could be the next Nikola Jokic, that looks so dumb right now. That looks so dumb right now. Just saying. All right. Um, he's not even the next Davis Bertans. Uh, the The – Next one, on, I think this one is also easy, is uh, Juan Descano Anderson. He is so in. It's not even funny. Um, I am so impressed by him in every way. Uh, he's he, He's been good all season, but it feels like really the past few weeks he has left no doubt that he is not only a rotation player in this league, but he is a good rotation player in this league. He's an essential role player for this team. I think he deserves to be in the top eight of the rotation. They are better every time he's on the floor. He does every little thing that you want from a role player. He sees the floor well. He makes the right reads. He makes the right passes. He's in the right spot defensively. He guards multiple positions. He makes the hustle plays. He risked his freaking life to save a loose ball a couple weeks ago. Like literally risked his life. Like unbelievable. Um, he fits the ethos of this team. Everyone loves playing with him. It doesn't hurt that he's an Oakland guy. Um, yeah, he's so in, and I think he could be a foundational player of this organization. If you told me I was going to say that last season, I would have thought, was I like completely out of my mind? Like that's not, but that is where we are. Juan Descano Anderson, foundational player of the Warriors for years to come. I'm with you, man. He's 27 years old. He's got the highest defensive box plus minus on the team behind Draymond Green. I won't go so far as to say he's your Andre Iguodala, but he could fill a very similar role. Not is not only is he part of your rotation, not only should he be your at least your eighth or ninth guy, I think he's a guy who could be your sixth or seventh man on a good team. Like if this is a team that wants to go to the championship, Juan Escano Anderson can help you get there. More than any other player on this roster, Connor, I am most interested in seeing Juan in a playoff setting. That to me is the importance of making the playoffs is to see if Juan Scott Anderson can take the success that he's had in the regular season, everything that we're talking about, if he can replicate that or even better yet improve on that in a postseason, if he could be to use Draymond Green's word, a 16 game player, right? Yeah. That's the importance of making the playoffs this year is seeing if the cream rises to the top here, right? And Juan Scott Anderson to me is a gamer. He's a competitor. You mentioned risking your life, getting 35 stitches just to save a loose ball in Boston. You love all that stuff. Can he do it in the playoffs? Can he do it in the playoffs in a playoff series on a night to night where you have to make adjustments like that and stuff like that? It's a different kind of game. We see it every single year. 
Let's go see what he can do. And if he can perform in the playoffs, then yeah, I'd agree with you all the way in on being a fantastic. I think, uh, I think he's this, I think he's a 16 game player because as yeah. hard as he plays now, he'll play even harder in the playoffs. And yeah. the thing about him that I like is even when he makes mistakes, he's helpful because mm-hmm. he is playing so hard. Like effort is a skill and he has it better than almost anyone I've seen in this league. Like he, he, he can make mistakes and still be helpful because he's giving you so much in every other category. And the thing that to me, that's been the most impressive thing about Juan Toscano Anderson is his shooting. Like he is, he was not a shooter at Marquette. He was not a shooter in the G league. He was not a shooter in Mexico. He was never considered a shooter. He is shooting over a pretty large sample size at this point in the season, 59.2% from the field, 42% from three, he is leading the Warriors in field goal percentage, and he is third in uh, three-point percentage behind Steph Curry and Kink Bazemore. Yeah. Um, I'm still he's a, a legit dubious. shooter at this point. It's incredible. I'm, I'm a little dubious on the three-point shot. Uh, we'll see. I think he gets a lot of open ones, but he's only taken 69 three-pointers all season. He's a 69% free-throw shooter. Um, when, when he gets over to like 100 threes, that's, that's typically a better sample. That's what the mark of a good sample is. He's about 33 pointers away from doing that, but it looks good to your point. It looks good. He's confident in it. The Warriors are confident in it. We'll see if it's sort of an anomaly that the, the way that that weird Draymond Green year was an anomaly. Uh, But even if he can't be a great three point shooter, he does enough stuff for you. He's a great defender, multi-positional defender has great feel for the game. Just knows where Steph is going to be. And that's really. He could be a dude for you. Hasn't proven yet that the three-point shot is legit, but I but I lean more into it being legit than it not. I'm just I'm still holding out. A, a, I'm not saying a, he's I saw a little trepidation. I'm just saying compared to where he was a year ago, it is Fair incredible, enough. incredible. Fair and enough. I believe that Aaron Miles and Ron Adams, who worked with him on his shot, deserve mm-hmm. some credit for that. Uh, Andrew Wiggins is next. This is also easy for me. In yeah, um, he. I think it's having the best season of his career, both offensively and defensively. He has been arguably the Warriors' most consistent player outside of Steph, which is crazy to say given what his reputation was coming out of Minnesota. But he has brought it defensively every night. He's been the most efficient offensively he's ever been. He'll have the occasional off night, but they're not they're few and far between compared to where they were in previous seasons. Um, and, you know, he's – I think he kind of fits the ethos of this team. He's kind of a, a no frills like guy who just kind of likes being a secondary, uh, a secondary guy. You know, he doesn't want the limelight. I don't think he was comfortable with that in Minnesota. And I think he's found a situation where he's a perfect fit on this team. He found a really great situation because he's, he's getting paid like a max player, like a superstar player, but doesn't get treated like a superstar player. Like, how do I get this deal where you get to get paid $30 million, but have low expectations and not have the limelight on you and the cameras on you every single time. Cause Steph and Draymond are going to handle that. And when Clay comes back, he's going to handle that great position for Andrew Wiggins to be in. He absolutely nailed it. Um, I, and I agree with you. I, I think he's a good fit. I'm interested to see him come, come back with, with Clay Thompson next year, because I actually like Wiggins. Look, you mentioned the, the night-to-night availability. That's big. He's, you know, a walking 17 points per game. Um, he could take over for certain stretches. You'd like to see that happen more often for sure uh, when the Warriors need it. But uh, defensively, 
He's been solid. He's not, he's still not great at help defense and off ball defense, but it'll, I think when clay comes back next year, I'd like to see him a little bit more on the ball, which I think he could take over clay's role, right? Clay's role for so long has been guarding the other point guard so that Steph doesn't have to. Well, number one, Steph can do that now. I'm not, you're not as worried about Steph doing that anymore, but I still think Andrew Wiggins can function more on the ball and Clay Thompson can function a little bit more off the ball than he did in the past because he's going to be coming off these two injuries and, and he's obviously got the basketball IQ that doesn't go away uh, so that he can, fun- he, he'll be better off the ball. I think Wiggins would be better on the ball, which is where he really thrives defensively. And the more you could put him in those situations, the more impactful he'll be in those situations. Let me, my, let me in the Andrew Wiggins part with, with this, with this, I am so tired of hearing from Warriors fans and, and other people out there that this guy does not care that he's apathetic, that he's lazy. I was, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of the Stephen A. Smith rants about how he trade Andrew Wiggins for a bag, a box of cookies. This is a guy. I don't think this is out there. This is a guy who a couple weeks ago, his girlfriend was going into mm-hmm. labor. He had her delay inducing labor so that he could play a regular season NBA game for the Warriors. Yeah. And then immediately after the game was over, he said, yep, time to induce labor. I'll be there. Yep. Like, come on, guys. Yeah. So moving on. Uh, next one is James Wiseman. Um, uh, the best for last. Best for last. It, it, we did this alphabetically, but I think it's pretty fitting that he's last. I'm going to let you start on this one. Oh, really? Okay. Um, so James Wiseman. I'm out. You're straight up out. Whoa. Oh, wow. Okay. Straight up out. That's some hot I, on the pod right now. Jeez. I really like James Wiseman. I like his upside a lot. I like him as a person a lot. I think he's going to be a good player in this league. I don't think he'll ever be a star in this, in, in this league, but that, that's okay. That's all right. He's not going to be a superstar. He's not going to be the best player on a franchise. He's not going to be a face of the franchise for you. He's not going to be the best player on a championship team. Most players aren't. He'll be a good player. Any, but in the Warrior situation, if you are going to hitch your wagon to somebody at this point in their career and use valuable rotation minutes on that player's development, then that player has to be the face of the franchise in 2030 and can't be anything less than that. And James Wiseman just isn't that. And I think the Warriors would be better served by trading him for a guy who can contribute right away. And I think James Wiseman would be better served to be traded to a team that can use him and, and be more patient with his development and not ask so much of him and actually put the offense, build an offense around him in a way that he needs uh, at this stage in his career. It is so hard for players with what, as raw as Wiseman is. I mean, think about this. 69 minutes in college at, through three games. He played, what, 40 games? 30-something games? 40, 30-something games in the NBA? He's still going to be a rookie technically. Like, not technically, but basically. He's going to be a rookie midway through next season. You think that guy is going to get you to the championship this year or the year after that or the year after that? He is so far behind his development. This meniscus tear was catastrophic. Catastrophic, And that is the correct word. It was catastrophic to his long-term growth with this team. It is just going to be impossible for him to take that leap between year one and year two so and, and get to where he needs to be by the time the Warriors want to make a championship run. It's going to be next to impossible, Connor. And for that reason, James Wiseman is out. I think that they should work to trade him this offseason. Uh, and, and, and look, you've got this Minnesota pick. 
take another bite at the apple here, but it would best it'd be in the best interest of the Warriors and it would be in the best interest of Wiseman if they parted ways right now. Wow. And you know what? I honestly agree with you. I agree. If 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 there's an offer out there that makes sense, I don't know. The problem is I don't know what his trade market value is right now. Like no. if you can package him with maybe that top three protected pick from Minnesota and get like an all-star caliber guy. Yeah, I would do it. I would do it for the reasons that you already laid out. He, I don't think a lot of people understand uh, how much this injury has set him back developmentally. He, people said, people hear, oh, he'll, he'll be, he'll be ready to go by September probably. Right. And then he'll, he'll start the season and be good to go. No, he's missing his entire off season. He's missing summer league. He, uh, and, and there's no guarantee with a meniscus, how it's going to heal with someone who's seven feet tall. Like the work all happens in the off season. We've written about that with Steph Curry, Right. right. How many times have you heard Steve Kerr say that James Wiseman didn't get the appropriate offseason that he needed? He didn't get summer league and all that stuff. Well, guess what? Two years in a row now, again. he's not getting summer league. It's it. It's catastrophic. It is nothing short than catastrophic. And, and look, I don't know. I don't know what you can trade him for. I do know this. Let's just if you did a redraft of this last year. Right. I still don't think as, as up and down as Wiseman's rookie year was. His upside is such that I still don't think you draft him lower than third. I still, if you just do a straight redraft, knowing everything we know, I still think he goes third behind LaMelo Ball and Anthony Edwards. And he went second. So that's not terrible, right? And he went and he was injured for a lot of the year, a lot of adversity on a team that wasn't built to serve him in a way that Minnesota and Charlotte was built to serve their rookies. Uh, I think that he still has a lot of trade value out there. I just don't know if there's a lot of trade value for a player that plays his position. Which is the other thing. Well, I think and, James Wise might actually and, be a power forward and not a center. That's just but that's building off that. Even if his trade market value isn't amazing right now, how bad is it going to be at, at the end of next season? Because yeah, you got to do it now. Because if he is on the roster next season, the Warriors need to not mess around with their messaging anymore. They they made some mistakes this season in terms mm-hmm. of how they brought him along, how they handled the messaging with his development. They need to go into next season and say we are taking. If he's still on the roster, we are taking all of the pressure off of James. He will not be playing more than 20 minutes a night at any point throughout the season. He will be our backup center behind Kavon Looney. And we don't want to hear too many more questions about him because that's just what he's going to be this season. And hopefully he's good down the line, but he is not playing more than 20 minutes per game. I talked to a knee specialist who said he will be on a minutes restriction all season next season. He will probably miss the first couple months of the season, try to return mid season with a heavy minutes restriction. I mean, that's what you're looking at. Like yeah. that is what you're looking at. And so, you know, and, and the narrative around him is already pretty negative. Imagine how it's going to, how negative it's going to be when he's, you know, kind of a non-factor next season. That's so, and this is going to be brutal for him. Right there. I feel what bad for him personally. I do. I feel bad for him. That's why I think a change of scenery would be good uh, because it's just not going to be easier when he comes back with all of the expectations that are going to be heaped on him. What kind of player would I trade James Wiseman for is a different sort of question. Uh, for, uh, somebody who can contribute right away. That's that's it. Like, I'm not talking about a guy who could be your ninth guy right away, but if he could be – if you could trade him for a bona fide sixth man, like a sixth man of the year type contender, I would do that. And maybe it is Marcus Smart. Maybe it is. Uh, maybe it is – and by the way, I don't think Boston would do that because I don't – they have championship aspirations too, and I don't think they want to do the whole Wiseman experience. Right. But uh, I've heard Miles Turner thrown out there. I wouldn't. I don't know if Miles Turner is the right guy because you've got Kevon Looney, and I don't know that you want to pay Miles Turner. Miles Turner needs the ball. 
You know, I, I don't, and I, by the way, I don't know that the Pacers would do that because the whole idea would be to shift them onto Sabonis Center. And then if you have Wiseman, you can't really do that. What about Charlotte? Charlotte loved James Wiseman. If, if, if it was Wiseman on the board and not Lomelo, they would have been ecstatic with it. Why not give them two of the top three picks of last year? I don't know who you trade them for. Terry Rozier, Malik Monk. Like, I don't know. PJ Washington. I don't know who the guy is. I like Terry Rozier. I, yeah. I think, uh, I think the bottom line is where he's at in his development. It does not fit the Warriors timeline that they drafted him believing, okay, we'll give him his rookie season by the start of his neck, his second season. He needs to be a true difference maker, legitimate bona fide starting center to fit the window that we have for Stefan and our other guys. It reminds me I'm from Portland, Oregon. I grew up a Blazers fan. It reminds me of the Dale Davis, Jermaine O'Neal trade. Um, the the Blazers were really good in the early 2000s. They traded Jermaine O'Neal for Dale Davis, who at that time was coming off of, I believe, an all-star. He was coming off of an all-star appearance, uh, was a bona fide legitimate starting center. They Everyone knew Jermaine O'Neal was going to be a great player in the NBA, but he just wasn't there yet. And the, war, and the Blazers, given their window at that time, could not wait any longer. So they traded him for a really good player. Yes, Jermaine O'Neal ended up becoming a multi-perennial all-star for the Pacers. And to this day, Blazers fans talk about that. But he didn't fit the window. And that's where that's where the Warriors are right now. I think that's a really good comparison. I thought it for, I said, oh boy, because I thought you were going to go Lamar Odom. Or uh, Greg Oden. Sorry, I thought you were going to go Greg Oden, which I was like, oh, that's not great. But uh, no, that's a good comp. Um, so to break it down, we just went through the entire roster. Uh, this was a longer pod than normal, but I thought very enjoyable, uh, breaking down every angle of this roster. Um, so the core to build around is obviously Draymond Green, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson. The guys that we have in for next season are Kent Bazemore, Damian Lee, Kavon Looney, Jordan Poole, Juan Descano Anderson, and Andrew Wiggins. So you're looking at six guys on top of that core three. You got a nine-man rotation right there. Hopefully you add a couple pieces either through the draft or free agency. I think that has the potential, at least that's the foundation for a good team next season. I'm not I'm not ready to say championship caliber, but a good team. All those guys who are in the in category are helpful players who I think you can play in the playoffs. Um, on the out category, we have Nico Mannion, Michael Mulder, Kelly Oubre Jr., Alan Smilagich, um, and then in the more to prove category, we have Eric Pascal and James Wiseman. You have James Wiseman more to prove. I'm out. Yeah, you're out. I'm I'm not willing to totally give up. But uh, Wes, thank you so much, man. That was so much fun. Uh, where can our listeners and readers find all your stuff? Well, if you're listening to this podcast, you're a podcast listener, and so I would recommend highly the Locked On Warriors podcast daily content on the Warriors Monday through Friday uh, so you can find me over there our thanks to Wes Goldberg for joining me on the podcast always love talking Warriors with him Warriors Off Court is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle support Warriors Off Court in the newsroom that creates it by signing up for a Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod 